welcome to episode 10 of Hashtag No Filter. I know I haven't uh, put up an episode in a few weeks, and that's for a few different reasons. One being because I'm actually going through a branding process for the podcast. I know a lot of you are probably saying, why didn't you do the branding before you started the podcast? It's a great question. Um, because my personality is very zero to 60 <laughs> in uh, various ways, uh, depending on the situation. And if I have an idea and I'm ready to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Um, I will think about it, but I might not necessarily always take the, um, I guess, quote unquote, typical appropriate steps um, for doing so. I had wanted to start a podcast forever so that it was not an impulse decision about the podcast, but it was a rather quick turnaround from when I finally decided to like rip off the bandaid and do it. It was very much like, I'm going to research this. I'm going to start it and I'm going to put up an episode tomorrow. And that's basically what happened. So I didn't necessarily have time or even the idea to do a whole branding situation. So I threw together my own logo on Photoshop and that's why it's pretty basic and boring. But now I am working with some professionals and that's what I've been working on. I was also out of town for a bit. So whatever the reasons were, I didn't put up a new episode, but we are back. We are back with weekly episodes, uh, starting with today's and today's is with a woman named Beth Levine. She and I, uh, met probably, it was probably a couple years ago. Now I got wind of her very uh, intense, um, difficult situation that she went through not so long ago. And that is marriage fraud. Uh, if you're unclear what exactly marriage fraud is or don't know all that much about it, uh, let me just tell you, it's a lot more common than you probably think. I did not think it was that common at all. Uh, turns out it is. And Beth has gone through, is still going through, um, quite the situation. She is an incredibly brave and courageous and outspoken woman. Um, she has been very vocal about the whole thing on social media and, um, it has really actually helped her to move this situation along in a positive direction. And she has started to, because of how vocal she's been, she's actually been able to help others going through it. She's connected with women and men that have gone through it or, or you know, maybe went through it a while ago. Um, and she's really, she's making a difference. Um, all because she decided to be vocal about something that she very well should have been vocal about. And um, that was her situation. And uh, she doesn't hold anything back. She's very honest honest, uh, very open. Um, and it's a, I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. Um, she'll shed some light on what marriage fraud is, how, what her story was, how it all happened to her and what the current situation is now. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So welcome Beth. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Julie. I love that. I have a little welcome Beth. Song. Yes, you do. And if you look <laughs> at our Instagrams, you'll see it. <laughs> um, Okay, so before we get really into it, Beth, just um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, mm -hmm. what you do, your story. Okay, well, I was born and raised in New Jersey and California, uh, so I'm a 50-50 kid, mm -hmm. half East Coast, half Cali girl. Mm -hmm. I came to Texas in, God, it's way too long. <laughs> Uh, as I betray my age before Y2K, which never <laughs> happened. Um, my mom was living here running the Houston Business Journal. And she was like, oh, you should come to Texas. And I was like, Texas? What's in Texas? <laughs> she was like, uh, oh, just give it a shot. And I came. And I remember my first apartment was at uh, Mariner Point. Okay. Off of Westheimer. Uh -huh. And I was like, $400 for an apartment? <laughs> and they give you a pool? And right. it's only like 150 bucks deposit. Cause, you know, mm -hmm. on the East Coast and West Coast to get an apartment, oh, you gosh. pretty much have to like stalk somebody until they die. Exactly. And then actually. give them a kidney. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then I started staying here. I worked in the restaurant industry for a while. Uh, I know I got to stop with the ahs and ums because I paid attention to your <laughs> It's intro. okay. I still do it. I still do <laughs> ah and um. <laughs> Then uh, I went into marketing and PR for a couple local firms. I got into the personal assistant and executive mm -hmm. assistant business in the late, oh gosh, maybe mid 2000s. <laughs> and then I recently have taken back, well, I was in school as an English lit major. I originally wanted to be a detective fiction novelist. So that clearly oh. didn't work out yet. Yeah. At the time, I thought there was no... Um, 
female other than mm-hmm. Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have a whole like there was no Mickey Spillane or yeah. like Elmore Leonard. Like no 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 dames were like yeah. doing all the things. Unfortunately, that didn't always really pay the bills. So right. I went into another avenue, and then over the past uh, probably two years. The Houston writing community has been incredibly... You are very huge in that community, by the way. Your name's uh, everywhere. I'm not huge. <laughs> I, have a, I have some really fantastic editors. Roz. Yes, and that's how we met, through Roz <laughs> at My Red Glasses, by the way. And Tim Maloney at Local. Uh-huh. Local, yeah. Fedra Cook at Houston mm-hmm. Food Finder. Yep. They have taken a lot of time to sort of take me under their wing, mm-hmm. especially Fedra. I've really started moving into... I uh, just started doing restaurant reviews. That's great. Uh, they... Houston offers a accessibility mm-hmm. for things like that that I didn't really uh, realize existed in a lot of the other like major four cities mm-hmm. New York Chicago LA right. San Francisco uh, it's a little bit more difficult to break and transition into mm-hmm. areas like that especially uh, for blogging for writing yep. podcasts yep. the ability to transcend and move and traverse between those sorts of uh, venues here it's much easier. And I think that that opportunity is kind of why people come to Houston and then end up staying. Exactly. Yeah. So at what point, um, when did you get married or when did you meet your ex-husband? I met my ex-husband at a pool party Mm -hmm. in 2012 on Memorial Day. And you got married where, when did you got two two years later? 2014 in November. Okay. And then when, when and what happened? (laughs) Grab a glass of wine, guys. <laughs> or six. <laughs> or six. Okay. Oh, God. So, you know, where to start? We got married, and he was an Irish slash UK citizen. He was a touring sound engineer. Mm-hmm. I'm very unfamiliar with the music world. I don't even really go to shows. Uh, I understood very little about what it was that he did. I guess when you're a band, you travel around, you bring your sound guy with you, you go on tour. He was touring. So the first uh, year or two of our relationship was pretty much all courtship. Uh, he was on the road a lot. Uh, then we, uh, he was working for a band. Big scandal there. The lead singer went away for a uh, child. This is so not light afternoon wine topic. Yeah, you know, uh, it's fine. <laughs> the uh, lead singer of that band is currently serving, I think, a life sentence. Oh, wow. In uh, jail in the UK for one of the worst history cases of pedophilia. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, you know, there I was, uh, my boyfriend who I was, you know, seeing for about a year, was suddenly unemployed. Right. Needed my help, you know, and I took him in. Try to get him jobs for like another year or so. Didn't always work, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't know anything other than that his industry was tenuous, mm-hmm. a little bit difficult. Uh, we were living in an apartment complex at the time, just call that Melrose Place, is what we'll we'll nickname that. But yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, uh, we got married. We talked about getting married. Um, our proposal was a little bit odd. I wasn't sure if I wanted to get married right away, so I sat on it. Uh, at this time, I was forty. Uh, never been married before. Mm-hmm. He had one ex-wife that I knew of in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and two children in the UK. Uh, I didn't really have any other information about his previous history than that. He kept a lot of things very insular, and being on the road, a lot of the people who knew things about him weren't here. Mm-hmm. So we got married in the fall of 2014. At the time, I was working for a company that did a lot of business with a very prominent law firm in town. Mm-hmm. And they agreed to help us with his immigration case so he could get a green card. It turned out that he was actually here illegally for almost uh, three or four years and that he had broken so many laws that he was facing a 10-year ban and deportation and not eligible for a green card unless his wife sponsored him for an I-601 waiver, which is uh, called a waiver at admissibility. I've never heard of any of these right. before. I was a novice. I just thought like, oh, you fall in love, you get married. I mean like- Yeah, you didn't think any of this would happen. Spend time with my family. He was working for my stepdad. Oh. I mean like, I-, I thought I was in love. I thought this was, I mean, I had no indication to think that like, this wasn't a legitimate marriage. Not. And I didn't want my husband to be deported. I didn't want to have to move to the UK. I didn't want my family ripped apart. Mm. So uh, I convinced the uh, law firm to take the case pro bono. Uh, That kind of case requires two sets of uh, legalities, one for the green card, one for the waiver. Right. 
The waiver is usually very hard to win. Uh, while we were fighting for that waiver, there were people also fighting for that waiver that we saw in a lot of the legal buildings we were in who lost, whose cases, uh, they had children, people were having terminal illnesses. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have to prove to the United States government that if they deport this person, you as the United States citizen will suffer extreme hardship. I see. So they forgive them so that you can then sponsor them for their green card. And you did everything in your power to get him. Yes, and apparently it's a very hard case to win. Uh, if the immigrant is not from a country that is, uh, doesn't speak the same language, mm -hmm. doesn't have economic opportunity, right. if they don't have any children, if nobody has any life-threatening illnesses, mm -hmm. if there's no extenuating circumstances, it's usually a very difficult case to win, much less win fast. We filed in February. We won both cases in five months flat. Like unheard of, right? I mean, that's not everyone normal. that I've talked to since I've yeah. you know blown the lid off this. Yeah. Is like that's not possible. And then I send them the file, and they're like, "Dude, how did you do that?" I'm like, "I don't know how it happened. I just think it was the but right place, the right time, and the right lawyers pushing things through." And in five months, five months, we filed in February, and he was approved for everything in August of 2015. Oh my gosh! Okay, so he gets so he gets his green card. Yeah. And how, at what point, what happened next? At what point did you so now figure this all out? We're in August of 2015. Uh, keep in mind, when most people get a green card, there's a two-year conditional period where things go wrong. Uh, your citizenship, your status, your ability to stay yeah. here gets yanked. Also, uh, he didn't have any money, was unemployed. He had recently developed, I'm going to say this on your an anal fistula problem and needed like Sign hashtag no filter, so let's and just needed go for a it. series of two expensive surgeries. Wow. Uh, he didn't have any insurance. He was on my insurance. You know, at this point, I'm just doing everything I can to save my family. And he's like, and you loved him, so yeah. I mean, I thought I was married. Like, I thought right. this was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life right. with. That's what you do for. Yeah. And we, you know, uh, he was going on tour that fall. He was working for a band that. Scandinavian death metal band or, you know, I, like I said, I don't know a whole lot of crap about music and they were going on a tour and he was like, it's my shot to make money and then I'll quit and then I'll stay in America because now I have a green card mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to do what I can to support my family. During yeah. this time, I hadn't had any reason to think anything about the green card. We had uh, developed a close friendship with a neighbor of ours. We lived in one apartment. She lived in another. She was dating a very good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And we all started hanging out a lot. Their friendship became very weird. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by weird? Let's see. Like, when he went on tour, she broke down in hysterics. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, weird. I mean, I just, just weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone thought it was weird. My friends thought mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. weird. Uh, we were part of the process to be approved for the I-6 only way we were. So you have to be evaluated uh, okay. psychologically by therapists. So we had been appointed a USCIS therapist, Dr. Zamora. We continued to see her after the process right. was approved because I thought it was such a stressful thing to go through. Yeah. I mean, like, for five months, we got grilled. We had sure. to get testimony from people. I mean, it was, it's, the process itself was like, you know, trying to overcome any legal battle. Mm -hmm. uh, she likened it to a custody battle. Mm -hmm. You know, I have friends that are guys, yeah. you know. I, but it was not a typical it was, male, it, female It gave friendship. everybody the weird heebie-jeebies okay but you know she was also made a big effort to become my friend mm -hmm. you know sent me notes about how much she loved me she was sorry that you know she just didn't know how to have a really good friendship with mm -hmm. a guy it's just like her brother please okay. don't take this away from her right you know and i'm like yeah she's dating our friend i mean right. like this like you gave happen. her the benefit of the doubt this doesn't happen right no. oh no so then uh the, we're in the, the christmas of 2015, uh, my husband at the time had just come home from a tour. He was in the middle of the series of two anal facial surgeries. You have to do one, and then like three months later, you have to do another. Okay. One. He elected to go on tour anyway in between surgeries. I didn't okay. think it was a really wise idea. At the time, I found out they had been communicating like nonstop on our phone. Okay. And I was like, that's it. This friendship's weird. Done. Or like, I'm going to divorce you. Yep. Like, I don't know what's going on with this marriage, but having no idea about anything else other than Nothing with the that, green card. That you just have some weird friendship yeah. with her. And, you know, my friends weren't thrilled about it. He was like, I'm, I, he came home from tour, got fired from yet another. Yeah. Well, I found out later why he got fired. That's a whole other story. Right. Uh, and then needed surgery. So then here I am again. Yep. He's home. Uh, I, he needs another of these surgeries or his ass is going to fall out. 
Um, (laughs) There you are taking care of him and his ass. And you know, meanwhile, I'm thinking also, like, he can't possibly be cheating on me, right? He has plastic sticking out of his ass and, like, his pieces don't even work. (laughs) Right. No, I mean, like... No, but logically, you're thinking this through, right? Like, how's this going on? And and he's been telling me things like he's, you know, wants to go into therapy for this. And that, I mean, it was a a good sell. Uh, And so uh, I suggest we move, get a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Cut ties and you know, just move on to having like, yeah. a life in America. Yeah. And he's like, Yes, I want to do that. He's like, Can you help me get jobs here? So I used all my networks, my contacts, tried to help him get a job at Bar Downtown. And mm-hmm. uh, we got a new apartment. This is now like January of 2016. 16, right. Got a new apartment, signed a two year lease. Uh, and he was like, I'm committed to this marriage. I want to make everything work. I just got off the rails. You know, You're probably thrilled. All. Oh, super thrilled. Blamed it on, he blamed it on depression, a whole slew of things. So, you know, things go on. Mm -hmm. We're now, and things are okay. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, maybe it's just a weird bump in the road. Yeah. I don't know. You know, everyone keeps telling me everything's fine. Never caught anybody doing anything. Mm -hmm. And everybody went to extraordinary lengths to, shall we say, placate me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, damage control me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cheating is a uh, deal breaker for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I realized it's not for everyone. Right. He knew that was for me. So then we're in the summer of 2016, and he's working at the bar downtown, uh, doing their sound. And things started to just be really weird. With you, the two of you. Yeah, like he would come home from work, and he'd be like, I'm leaving downtown. And this is something I want to talk about later, about gaslighting and how difficult it is, I think, sometimes as women to trust our instincts. Because mm-hmm. when someone tells you something, uh, it's very easy if they're working from that frame point of being manipulative or gaslighting to sort of convince somebody that mm-hmm. whatever you're seeing is not really the truth. Uh, it's a very right. complicated process. Uh, the way my therapist explained it to me, who I still continue to see, is that uh, it's part of, it's a slow burn, mm-hmm. uh, hence the movie, right? where you slowly but surely sort of manipulate the way information is translated mm-hmm. so that someone starts to question the information they receive, mm-hmm. which is how, you know, sometimes when I've seen these movies, and I consider myself a pretty intelligent person, mm-hmm. well-educated, I've counseled many a friend, right. like, how could you not see this? Yeah. But it's, if someone's working very diligently behind mm-hmm. the scenes to make sure you don't see it, you're not going to. He's unfortunately to. good at what he was doing. Well, and you're not a good client and if you're not good at it. Exactly, I mean, exactly. I, I and just, why would you think, why would you ever want to think, or, I mean, you're not, yeah. it's not that you're stupid, it's just, no, who would see I, that? I think it's hard sometimes to trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you know, I'd never been married before. It is very hard, and I, I feel that women who are divorced probably suffer from this a lot. It's very hard to give up on a marriage. Mm-hmm. There is a big part of you that feels like I'm supposed to somehow mm-hmm. make this work. Mm-hmm. You took a vow, commitment. Yeah, that, that I don't just walk away from mm-hmm. this. Not that people have an easy time walking away from anything, right. but I think that there's a lot of... I'm not going to say men don't also feel this way, but I think that there is a higher burden on women that somehow you are supposed to make this work. And then mm-hmm. if you are in your 30s and 40s and your marriage fails, that somehow you are an over-the-hill failure. And here you are in the dating market again, competing with girls that are 20, 25 years old. And like your, your, ta- your flower in the sun time has gone. Right. And like that- I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm saying that that's because uh, I do not feel that way. I've never been happier since I got divorced. Exactly. It's the best decision I ever made. But I think that coming to that decision is hard for people. Of course. Because they, especially as women, especially women in their 40s. Right. Because that's kind of a very crusting point for women where like, you know, your, your dirty 30s are gone yeah. and uh, changes are happening. Women are very hard on themselves mm-hmm. and their marketability mm-hmm. and uh, their attractors. They So much is based on how you judge by your appearance yep, and yep. your ability to attract a meet. I don't think men go through that at that level. Right, right. Uh, and that's through no fault and that's just the way society sort exactly. of programmed us. I mean, I'm going to go on, I could go on my phone right now and see a bunch of hashtag no filter pictures yeah. right, of right, what right. everybody looks like. Yeah. They're absolutely filtered. It's an ability to recognize that this is life and it's it is fucking what it is. messy. It's so messy. And and that's just what it is right now. And sometimes when you're in it, you get messy too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's okay. And that, right. So we're in the summer and I'm just like, I'm just, he would go to work and be like, yeah, I'm leaving work and come home like 
two hours later. Right. Like and his office like, wasn't two hours away or wherever he was working. It was downtown. It was down- and I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, I got lost. I find Houston so confusing. I'm still recovering from my health It's called issues. a GPS. It's fine. You know, my phone's not. It's just, there was yeah. always an excuse. Yeah. And I started to get really suspicious because my spidey senses were tingling. Mm-hmm. And I you just have to like, trust your gut. Yeah. I mean. Well, and I remember, I, we also completely stopped having sex at this point. Mm. And, you know, I brought it up and his response to me was, it would be like if I had cancer and I couldn't have sex anymore, he wouldn't leave me because that's not what marriage is about. <laughs> and I was like, but you don't have cancer. Right. And he's like, but I think something's, I mean, like it, it, it okay. never Okay, so ended. he just, he just. There it, was, there was. Still, yeah. It He's never ended. And I was mm-hmm. like, then I was like, kind of my horrible person, like to bail my marriage because like there's nothing happening. But here. it was so much more than yeah, that. But it, 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 he would boil things down to course. very specific instances. And uh, so like at this, around this time period, uh, some of my friends also found an active Tinder profile. Of his. Yeah. And they screenshotted it. They took me to, for an ambush for every, oh yeah, there was an intervention where everyone was like, listen, and still nothing about the green card. No, Everyone's no, no, no. just thinking that he's basically screwing half the town <laughs> and like somebody should tell me. Exactly. So I see this and I'm like, what is this? So he gets confronted. Uh, he produces people from his touring career and other women to reach out to me to let me know that this was all part of research for a social media app that he's trying <laughs> dude I you can't make this shit up I can't my friends wanted to do a t-shirt that says it's for research <laughs> I cannot that's a good one it's for research right. okay but it wasn't just him people came up like sent me messages and were like you know he's He's trying to do this social media app to like, you know, because for our future, because I'm not happy with the touring industry. I'm not happy with music. So he really got people involved and made you believe. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, "Ah," you know, and I remember sitting there and this was like the really, this was, we'll say this was the the first nail in the coffin. Yeah. And I remember sitting uh, with my best friend going, I mean, and my best friend's a guy. And I was like, I mean, you're a guy. He's like, I don't know. I mean, like, it could be like, I just think it's, the lie was so fantastical (laughs) that we were like, I mean, maybe. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's right. just like who would who would make that lie up? Then the rest of the summer goes on, and I notice some uh, inappropriateness with a bartender at the bar he was working at. So we're in August, September, two thousand sixteen. Mm. This time I've had no contact with him. He's coming yeah. from the picture, you know. I'm just trying to work on my marriage. He starts working for a venue in the Heights. Starts traveling on to Dallas. Weeks are going by, I'm not seeing him. I just had a really bad feeling. Yeah. Uh, something that was the bartender at the posting pictures of herself. Just things were bad. all all the red flags, and I was like, okay, I, I, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be my birthday soon. I'm gonna be 46 years old. Like this cannot be my life. No. Uh, I cannot be married to somebody who can't keep their dick in their pants. No. No. Uh, so and clearly does not have any type of, of problem with doing anything. Right. So I uh, we do a trial separation in October of 2016. Right. And then during that time period, people start coming out of the woodwork about mm-hmm. him having affairs in. <laughs> If I'm correct in the in the math, he was sleeping with the bartender, the old neighbor, his former wife in Dallas, which I didn't know about. Which that is he a had a former wife. Story. Yeah, that also was a green card attempt. Oh um, my god! And a waitress at a restaurant next to the hotel he was staying at when he was dude. All while was, you were married. Yeah, it was a. It, he, he had a busy His penis, penis was working. I mean, <laughs> like, come in on. one of the statements that was submitted to ICE later on in the case, uh, the gentleman asked him how he could possibly carry on all these affairs with all of these women at this That's time. That's a lot of work. I'd be exhausted. Uh, yeah, no, wonder I, he, no wonder his ass is falling out. Yeah, because no I, mean, I, I don't even know how you Holy had the energy. Shit. His response was that I and my friends were not smart enough to catch him. And that all of these women knew he was only in the country to con his wife for a green card. Uh, which brings me to a whole nother He slide. said that. Oh yeah, that's all on record. So you find out this, you 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 file for divorce. Oh yeah, I, I, between the time we separated and our divorce papers were signed, were two weeks. And that's not normal, usually it takes a lot longer, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. And then within 60 days, Done. Bam. I was like, I mean, I, I, I've never wanted to be divorced so much faster in my entire life because I suddenly started to realize that I had absolutely no idea 
who I was married to, who I was sharing my home with, who I'd been sharing my life with, who I had exposed my friends and family to. And how fast could I distance myself from them so that when I... Because at this point, my interest had been peaked that there's something else going on. Exactly. And for me to adequately explore that, I need to be as insulated and distanced from this person as possible Mm -hmm. because I don't know who I'm dealing with. No. It could be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, To digress during the course of the immigration proceedings, the one wife I did know about Mm -hmm. died in her sleep of mysterious causes in the UK. There was no autopsy. Oh, no, nothing. So I'm thinking, you know, and I'm, I, I can't, I, I, I go on sheer speculation, but I mean, you don't know about people. No. And since I was finding out things where, I mean, I found out that there were tours that I thought he went on that didn't exist. Oh my God. There were so many things that were fake that I, I. He was, was leading like a double, well, no, like a quadruple life. Cause he had four <laughs> women. Life? Like I don't I, what fucking know. So. Okay, so once you start getting into, oh my god, I have so many. Okay, so questions. Okay, so once you you get it, this green card stuff is going on. So what is the first? What, what was the first step you took? What, what? The first step I took was gathering evidence. Okay. Because I was like, you know what? I can say whatever I want. Anybody can say whatever they want. I need right, statements. Right, right, right. I need things in writing, and I need people willing to go on record. And you, you have. How people- do I find? Oh yeah, but I mean, it took a while. Think about it. Now, obviously, some of the people who came forward were people I knew, but mm-hmm. some people weren't people I know. Right. How do you how do you do establish a relationship? How do you get them to realize that talking to you about this, which is a volatile subject, mm-hmm. it's a heated subject, mm-hmm. it means you're involving legalities, mm-hmm. you're involving the government uh, around this time frame, which is most of 2017, mm-hmm. which is when this really all went down, is a huge change in our governmental structure mm-hmm. and how immigration is mm-hmm. regarded. Yeah. It's, it's messy. It's not just now a messy personal divorce. We're talking about dealing with ICE, DHS, yeah. USCIS, and, and uh, NBC. I had been talking to, at the time I was talking to 2020. Oh, wow. There's just, you know, and, and I had started reaching out to other victims and started develop my own advocates hotline where, okay, this is not just me. This is a thing mm-hmm. and we need to well, change this. Well, that's my question. How common is this? So there's no stats on it. Okay. Not one. Why? Uh, well, because, so the way it was explained to me, and there's a really good website, it's a resource, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. Okay. Uh, it's CIS.org. And there's a gentleman on there named David North. He does a lot of exposés uh, and papers, uh, mm-hmm. almost like mm-hmm. thesis mm-hmm. on one-sided marriage fraud, because it's really just become this giant black hole yeah. within immigration. Usually people are very familiar with rings mm-hmm. or when, you know, mail order brides or mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, been two common loopholes that have been growing over the past, say, five to 10 years, especially, where if you're in this country and you're illegal to the point where you've broken so many laws mm-hmm. and extended your visas that the only way to get a green card, you can't get it through a job, through a sponsor, through work, you can't get it through any other, you can't win the lottery. Okay. The only way to get it is to marry a U.S. citizen. And right. there is uh, sort of an underground informational train okay. that allows people to understand how to make this happen. And, and people are doing this yes. every day. Uh, when I spoke, I had two very telltale calls this year, one with the House Committee on Oversight and one with a deputy director out of ICE out of New York. The indication that I got from them, and they also did a hearing earlier in 2016, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearing where they had victims of marriage fraud on it uh, who'd been fighting this much longer than I have. Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. I'm a newbie in the game. Right, right. Some of these people have been fighting for 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, wow. They went over the fact that the numbers are hard because if the stats are right, and I can provide them to you, they're on my phone somewhere, it's something like over 50% of all green card through marriage, the estimation was that 30 to 40% of them are fraudulent for single-sided. Now, I'd have to check my stats, like I said. Uh, right, 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 but, but more or less. Because the only way you can get those stats is to go back and say, okay, let's say we're in Texas, and in Texas, in 2016, they gave out, we're, I'm just making up yeah. numbers. Let's say they gave out 4,000 green cards through marriage. Okay. By 2017, if 3,000 of those marriages have since fallen apart, then the statistics lean towards the 
viewpoint that those marriages were fraudulent wow. because they haven't even made it past the year or two mark. Unbelievable. So, and the old school for this was if you marry somebody and you get an, a green card yeah. marriage, uh, you're supposed to have a two-year conditional waiting period. Okay. And then after that two years, your conditions get removed. During that two years, if you decide that you want to you know, end the marriage or you find fraud. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of the other victims I spoke with, they found out their spouses were married to other people, Ugh. lied about where they're from, lied on their USCIS documents. Oh just my like, gosh. Just, which my ex did also. He lied on all of his USCIS documents. He committed perjury on a sworn affidavit Ugh. and on almost every document submitted. Oh my gosh. But all these things happen. And then let's say that you find out all that stuff. You either wait till the conditions are removed mm -hmm. and hope that the spouse doesn't divorce you or you claim abuse and you get placed in a loophole. It's called VAWA. NBC out of Philly just did a huge story on it. Yeah. And basically it provides this weird safe haven loophole where you can ride out your two-year conditional clock while the abuse claim is being investigated. Meaning? And men and women do it, by the way. This does not only happen to women. No, of course. There is a, a guy here in Houston and his story, I mean, like I said, my story is batshit crazy from yeah. a lifestyle movie perspective. Yeah. Thank God I don't have any kids. Right, Thank right, God right, I right. steal all my money. Yeah, yeah. When I hear some of these other people's stories, I'm like, how the fuck are these people yeah. still here? So you're saying the, to, to further expand on the abuse claim. So either the man or the woman, whoever is, is whoever's the, the immigrant is the immigrant. And by the way, I'm pro immigrant. Right. This is, oh, of this course. is, these are people who are right. doing the, they are giving the system a bad name. And one of the reasons I'm so vigilant about marriage fraud is I can't believe the current push to deport and, or go after and, or make it impossible or nearly impossible for really hardworking, honest immigrants these days to get a green card right. when you're allowing all this other really bad shit and illegal shit because on ICE's own website, mm -hmm. it says this is a crime punishable by $250,000 fine and up to 10 years in prison. Right. And so, right, you're only, to make it clear, you're only speaking to those who are, yes. who are, who are, um, marriage fraud. That yes. is what we're talking yes. about here. Okay. Yes. Just to, uh, so everyone knows. So, okay. So the, so the, the immigrant who is involved in this marriage fraud will say that the, the American citizen, the, the significant other is abusing them. Mm-hmm. And that is how... Th That's crazy. I had never even heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, this is all like... But that's the thing is, I never even heard about a lot of this stuff. Well... And I didn't think that it happened. I thought, like... No, of course not. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe now and then I see, yeah. like, there's like a, you know, Lifetime movie A movie, about right, it, right, right. Or, like, you know, something like the Wii Network. I was like, but I... Nothing to diss either one of those networks, no, by the way. No, no. Love, love me. Lifetime movies are my But jam. I just had never really thought it was just so rampant. I mean, so, okay, here's the question that, that people might be asking, like, if they're listening to this in their car right now. And, like, why, why can't he just get deported right now? That's a really fucking good question. <laughs> so. Like, why can't his green card be taken away? So this is where we stand now. He's been uh, reported to ICE, USCIS, and DHS by me and a dozen other people. Right, right. There are over seven or eight sworn testimony <sighs> where he confessed, talked about how he was going to get away with his crimes because he was white, how America... He said this. Oh, yeah. How America is only concerned with Mexicans and potential terrorists and how he can Terrible. get away with anything because he's a white man and how inept immigration was and how stupid the authorities was were and how he hated America and how it was a dying joke. He was just here to make money and how... He said all this. Oh, yeah. And how women should be um, emotionally manipulated and taken advantage of and that he had perfected how to do it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And this is the guy... This is one of the reasons that I feel so strongly about this. I mean... I, my my portion of the marriage tells over. I'm yeah. divorced. Yeah, I'm going to move yeah. on with my life. But because of what we did, thinking that this was a good person and that we were behind somebody who was a good person, this person is now in a position where they can be in control of female employees. Yeah. Here, yeah. And I feel a very strong moral and ethical obligation because... If he hurts someone else, mm -hmm. or other women get hurt, or other men get hurt, 
I cannot take that personally. No, no, no. I mean, right. I can't not take that personally right, right. because if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be here. Right. I, and yeah, it's really yeah, easy to wash yeah. your hands of that. And, you know, a couple of the people who came forward with the statements, specifically Kyle Quinn, a really great guy, he said he feels the same way. You know, he vetted this person, recommended them, found out the truth, mm. has done everything he can to come forward mm. because he's his viewpoint's the same. You know, I if I didn't know, I didn't know. But now I know. But now you know. And I helped put somebody in a position of authority mm. and power. If I don't do anything, I'm part of the problem. Right. You know, and thankfully all of this, or unthankfully, uh, however you want to look at it, rolled out in the wake of Me Too and everything else that happened yeah. this year with the importance of coming forward when we see things that are mm-hmm. wrong, when we see behaviors that are Men wrong. Men or women. We are yes, talking it's, everyone. It's everybody. Yeah. And... You know, even if it doesn't affect you directly, mm-hmm. what what part do you play by not playing? Right. Because you're still part of the problem. If you see somebody doing something that's either morally, ethically, or criminally mm-hmm. incorrect, mm-hmm. and you don't say anything, I mean, I guess you could say, I didn't do anything, but you did by not doing by anything. By not doing yes. anything. Right. And I feel there's a quote somewhere, and I always forget who says it, but people have been posting it a lot lately, that the only thing needed for evil men to triumph, and, or evil women, women or right. evil anybody, evil anyone. is for good people to do nothing. Right. So what if a good person it sees, hears something going on, and they're, they're, they're scared, which is an honest, you know, fine. They're scared to speak up. What do you, what, what do they do? Like, if they know this is wrong, I need to say something, or I don't know, maybe they're seeing something at work, or they're, they're a friend of someone who's the, the marriage fraud. What do they do if they're just scared they don't want to get it's not that they don't care but they are like they're they're scared I don't know they don't know what to do well uh, but first of all you have to think about what your outlets are I mean I am a really big proponent in social media you can say all you want about it but it opened up the environment to have a free dialogue as free as you can be yeah 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 where you can literally call things out or people out uh or entities out Mm -hmm. and they're forced to deal with you Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm you right. know, uh, love it or hate it, uh, I suggest they get vocal and they get loud. I mean, yeah. I am... I mean, my mouth gets me in <laughs> But well, you told me earlier that someone told you the reason they found you. Yeah, so I, I started being very vocal on so many... When I started really pressing this issue, which I really went balls out in it in the summer of, of last year yeah. until about now, where I was like, that's it. I'm, I, yeah. There's just too much I'm learning, and I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people, victims that I was dealing with and and reaching out to, you know, they were in hiding. Mm-hmm. Their, their person had, you know, done a lot lot more financial mm-hmm. damage to them or some states don't have such great divorce laws like Texas. Right. If we were in New Jersey, I would have had to wait 13 months oh, instead yeah. of 60 days. Right. So at this point I was insulated enough where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Just, I've been living here for 20 years. Yeah. I have a fantastic support system. Yep. I, I've, I, I'd like to think from my writing, people take me credibly. Yeah. I've been doing yeah. personal assistant and executive assistant for some of the biggest investment banking firms in Houston. Yeah. To do that, you get FBI fingerprinted, you get vetted. Like, right. I'm like, go ahead, take me at my reputation. Right. I don't really care. Right. Okay? We're going to go for it. Exactly. And I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to start naming names. And I'm going to start naming names. Every goddamn day on every fucking site I can possibly find until somebody answers me exactly. or tells me to shut up. But because you've been loud about it, you are starting to... Starting to see traction. Exactly. And, and that's all it takes. Yeah. And, and and I don't think people realize that the government agencies do monitor. Mm-hmm. I, I Like I said, I can't name them by name, but I had a deputy director from ICE reach out to me because I was so vocal. Right. Because I was so vocal on... ICE's own website on the every website. day posting this and they would delete me and I'd post it again. I'm like, you can delete me all you want. Like, I'm not every going day. every day. Every day. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm literally not going anywhere. And I won't show And they reached out to you. They were like, we well, you know we've been following you, we see your posts. Do you want to wow. send us your case file? Wow. And you know, and that's where the case is getting traction, and I'm pretty hopeful about it. They, you know, it's the first time I had, you know, I hired a lawyer. Yeah. We did all I did all the proper channels. Of course, of course. But you know, if we learned anything from me too, the proper channels don't always get results. No. Noise gets results. Exactly. Because if you're loud enough and you're and you're in the just. Yeah. People yes. are forced to listen, and most people really only start to pay attention when it affects their individual stratosphere. Mm-hmm, and they're like, mm-hmm. this is now crossed into my territory. I right. need to listen to this. What's going on? Right. I mean, I, 
and and everything sort of happened simultaneously at the same time. Exactly. You know, and I had a uh, you know, and also during this time period, I had women reach out to me, former women from my ex in other countries where he had mm. damaged them greatly, stolen all their money. How did they find you? Facebook. So, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. It's like it can be face. Com- it's pe- a blessing and a curse. People hate Facebook and people love it. But in your situation, thank God for Facebook. I mean, like, what would it, like? We're thankfully we're in a time right now where you can be vocal on these social media channels yes. and start well, and to make some a difference. People aren't going to like it. No, of I course. Mean, not. I, I'm sure you've I, gotten I, haters. I, I, I won't say haters. I will say, and I think I, I touched on this, or I heard a lot of this in the interview you did with Megan. Yeah. That uh, at, even though it morphed into something much more than you know the lifestyle movie horrible divorce of you know biblical shitstorm proportions it became something that for me is kind of a cause mm-hmm. but at the root of it there's still a divorce mm-hmm. and when that happens you lose a lot of people because it's not fun no anymore uh you're not the fun friend no you're you've, you've got, got issues and they have to change things Right. And that becomes very difficult for people to be around because you remind them that shit might not be that far from their own doorstep too. Exactly. And a lot of people don't like mess. And a lot of people, unfortunately, be friends, quote unquote friends, will stick around for the good, but the good friends are the ones that stick through the shit. And that, I'm sure you have some great friends that I, have been with you. I, you know. And I'm going to call them out by name. Go. Liz Gorman-Jones, uh, Hannah Charlotte Hunter, Ben Eaton, Jamie Smith. These are all, and you know, Hannah, she knew my ex for 15 years. Yeah. And had no idea. Yeah. But felt, you know, you become part of the machine. Right, right. When there's right. something like that. And people, I think, don't like being duplicitous. It right. makes them uncomfortable. Right. Uh, and then you have two kinds of people. You find out about it, you do something. You find out about it, you do nothing. Right. For me, I've preferred at this point in my life to align myself with the people who do something about it. Exactly. Uh, and I think that translates into a lot of areas in, in your life, you know. Especially as women, I mean, I, I mean nothing to downgrade my guy friends. I know what happens to them too, but I find that there are a lot of situations that you find yourself in as a woman that you question. If I say something right now, I'm the ball buster. I'm the difficult one. I'm the intense one. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm pushy. I'm bossy. Emotional. All things all that the are things, yeah. all things that are somehow positively associated with our counterparts, but viewed as weaknesses when we employ them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I say, fuck it. Right. You're just, you're going to speak and you are who you are and you, and you're, and the situation that you were put in is not ideal. You would never probably wish upon anyone what has happened to you, but you are making, um, um, I think we talked, I said this in the blog post you, I, cause I interviewed Beth on my blog actually last year and you can read that. I'll link to it so they can see it. Um, but you are making At a the time. I didn't even know half this shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is part two and there might be part three. Um, but you have made a message out of your mess. And I believe that's like a Brene Brown or someone else has said that, that is not my quote, but you, you are making something out of this I'm, terrible I'm trying situation. To, and I will be an absolute fucking liar if I didn't say I don't have my own issues. And we that, all do. <laughs> I mean, you know, on a personal level, I was married to someone who slept with like everybody I know, including a married friend, one of my best friends. Mm. A lot of people lied to me, still lie to me about it. Uh, like they won't, they haven't admitted it. Dude, he's got a baby with my former neighbor and they still say no. <laughs> Point is, yes. that on a female level or mm-hmm. male level or anybody who's ever had a relationship, yeah, I've got issues with that. Yeah. Big ones. Yeah. And they'll take a long time to heal. Yeah. I was listening to your podcast with Madison. Oh, yeah, And yeah, I yeah. was like, shit, I took myself off the dating map for like a solid year and a half. Because really? I was like, this shit ain't Are you right. back on? No. Oh, not yet. I was going to say, any guys? No. <laughs> She's a cute no, no, girl. No, <laughs> no you're still not. Because it's important. Because, and that's another thing, you know, it's when you go through something traumatic like that, you can't band aid it. No. It's well, if you do, it's just going to eat you up and come back. Or tenfold. it's just going to explode everything yeah. else you touch in the future. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm not okay from that. Right. And also, it's okay to not be okay from that. Exactly. However, then on the flip side, there's a cause and a message from the actual crime that was committed. Right. That's the difficulty right. that I have is, is sometimes explaining to people that while they run parallel, they're two different things. They, they come from the same point of intersection in the mm-hmm. beginning, but they're parallel things. One is a crime, yep. and I'm trying to do everything I can to change that 
for any victim, male, mm-hmm. female, mm-hmm. VAWA, non-VAWA, because what I've been learning and researching is that these victims, and there are thousands of them, yeah. have seen no recourse and right. aren't getting any help. Right. And being vocal has been hard for them because of where the intersection started, because it exactly. came from a marriage. Then on the other side of the parallel, yeah, there's a whole lot of shit going on there. So like, yeah. there's a powerful message on one hand, but I also like to be very cautious and keep myself in check that it runs very parallel to another volatile part where like, yeah, I have a lot of issues there and I'd be a liar if I said I didn't. It's a work in progress. But, and and we all are, I truly believe until the day we die, we're a work in progress. But, um, but I think it's so incredible that you are making sure you're in your best place possible. You're not going to start dating anyone. You don't want to start dating one, anyone until you're in a position where you have dealt with this. And I think that's amazing or else you are doing a disservice to the other person and your relationship if you bring that along to it. I'm doing a disservice to myself. Exactly, most because importantly. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. It really doesn't. No. And I know that we get this, you know, I had a friend who was like, six months, that's all you have yeah. to bounce back. I'm like, is there like some book somewhere yeah, no, no, me no. about it? <laughs> like, you know, my therapist gave me a, bit, a really important quote to remember and I'm pretty sure it's not her quote, either nobody's quotes or anybody's quotes. Right, anymore. right, right. That who you are after trauma is just not who you were before trauma. And it's just that simple. It's a valid point. <laughs> yeah. And you have to get to know yourself again. Mm-hmm. And the people around you have to get to know yourself mm-hmm. again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, and you need to realize that that person is not who you are anymore. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just the truth. It just is what it is and, given and you the find situation. And you have to find what your new place is. And yeah. until you know what that is, how can you share that space with somebody else? You can't. I mean, you can, I mean, it's cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. Until you're happy and know yourself exceedingly well, how can you... Divorce can you, without a crime is enough it, to fuck people up exactly, for a really long you have, time. Exactly. So, I That's mean, why I try to separate the two. Yeah. You know, when, so we did, we had an NBC story earlier, uh, I think it was maybe in the fall, yeah. just this past year. And, you know, my story got like the least airtime because of course my ex called the studio and was like, I've done nothing. I'm innocent. All of these statements are lies, whatever, you know, and to me, I was like, well, that's fine. Sucks for my personal issues, but the story featured four other victims. Right, right. And I was like, if I'm really going to be true to what I want to be true to with that, we need to change the ability that there is to enforce these laws because the laws are there. Yeah. It's listed as a felony. It just isn't enforced because enforcing it costs money. I think it puts egg on the face of some authorities. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm, not really mm -hmm. popular. You're going after people who you've already vetted, Mm -hmm, who are already mm -hmm. in the system. Yeah. But those people got a chance to tell their story. Some of them for the first time. Right. Some of them for the first time had even not even come to their families and tell them this happened to me. Right. And when we did that, I got so many Facebook messages from people who were like, hey, we saw the piece. We're going to start telling people that this happened to us. We have been afraid to tell anyone. Uh, I don't mean this in any way, shape or form. I'm not special. I'm just obnoxiously loud. But you're making a difference. You can never take Jersey out of the girl. You can't. Got, you I can't. hear you. I hear you. But I, I felt like... But good like for you. Thank God that you're doing this. If I hadn't been loud and I hadn't taken the heat, maybe, just maybe, one of these people wouldn't have been able to come forward. Exactly. And maybe nothing happens for me. Maybe nothing happens for them. But maybe there's a third person or a fourth exactly. person. But this hasn't happened to yet. And because we're being so vocal, maybe that person, male or female, gets saved. Yep. Exactly. In that case, then make some fucking noise. Exactly. Take the heat because at some point it becomes not about you and it becomes about the reverberation mm-hmm. of the of, of the effects that you can make happen because of things like podcasts and Twitter right, and right. Instagram yep. and Facebook. Then maybe there's a, a, a girl or a guy somewhere and maybe they're Googling this mm-hmm. and maybe it now, cause it now comes up and maybe they say, hey, you know what, what am I doing? It's okay for me to ask some questions. Maybe I should reach out to this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I and you, you and I have talked about the importance yeah. of a support system. Yeah. When this all went down, you know, I told my employers I work right. in an oil and gas company. And I was like, I mean, I'm sure they're wondering, hey, why does Beth, you know, cry at her desk? And like, yeah. why is she getting phone calls from this government agency and that government uh, agency? Yeah. And I have an open floor plan. So everyone's hearing me talk. And obviously then the news article came out. Yeah, People yeah, are yeah. like, it hey, wasn't that you? I'm like, mm-hmm. 
So how have they been? They've been incredibly supportive. Amazing. And one of the other executive assistants that I work with called me and was like, hey, my daughter is going through the same thing. <gasps> oh and my it's gosh. the whole VAWA thing for her. And she's like, oh. I didn't even know what it was. Can you meet with her? Can you help her? Oh my gosh. Can you refer me to anyone? Like, we're trying to get her separated from him. There's children. And it was... and. Through seeing that and knowing my story, she was able to recognize that her daughter was in the middle of something that was a criminal activity. I was able to connect her with the people behind the Center for Immigration Studies and one of the victims advocate groups that I work with called VOIF. And, you know, they're able to help. If I hadn't been vocal, she wouldn't have known to come to me. Not at all. And, you know, the amount of people, I'm going to say at least two dozen people since the start of this year I've come forward. Wow. Just to say, hey, it also happened to me. Well, right. And, and some of them are people you and I know. Yeah. They're that like, probably I, many people listening. They're now. like, I just don't want to tell anybody. I was embarrassed. Unbelievable. You, I mean, so what would your advice be then for someone who, okay, someone who's either going through it, has gone through it, or maybe knows someone that is going through it? I mean, I know you first, you would probably say reach, they can reach out to you and I'll give yeah. your information at the end. But um, what, what, where do you, what do you do? Like, what's the first step? Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. It's, and that's a really hard step yeah. because it is not, it's not logical to somehow not feel responsible. Right. To somehow say, why didn't I see this? Why right. didn't I Beat see that? Right, beat yourself up over it and the shame and, I oh, mean, it's a, yeah. We are our own worst enemies. Right, right. However, you know, if you look at, this essentially marriage fraud, although it's a felony, it's a con, just like and other cons that are also felonies. Yeah. So if you look at victims of cons, victims have a lot of remorse, a mm-hmm, lot of shame. Mm-hmm. Use that. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Right. Ask questions. Start talking. Yeah. Because I firmly believe that most people, at least I'd like to believe, when given the opportunity to correct a wrong, mm-hmm. We'll take it. Right. You right. just need to give it to them. Exactly. Because finding that opportunity requires a lot of work. But if you can give someone the opportunity to stand up and undo something that they didn't know they were a part of, right. I'm still going to be a hopeful person mm-hmm. that most people will take that out and mm-hmm. do the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And with more people like you speaking out about and it. And you. They're going to, well, I mean, you're, I, you are the one, I mean, I'm just giving you, I'm so thrilled to be giving you a platform, not, and it's not the biggest platform there is. It's not That's Ellen DeGeneres, it, but a platform to speak out on. It doesn't matter the platform. Right. right. It right. doesn't matter the venue. What right. matters is, is you keep asking questions. Yeah. You keep being vocal. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's unpopular. It's not a popularity contest. It's not. And I think that that's a, you know, fear is a really powerful tool. It's a dangerous one, yeah. but it's also, it's paralyzing. You know, I have a friend of mine uh, in San Diego and she made a post yesterday and she's going through something and she's suffering PTSD because of it, mm. because, you know, it's just so traumatic. And yeah. she was like, I'm having trouble making decisions, questioning myself, thinking mm-hmm. about what kind of decisions do I make? Do I mm-hmm. keep talking about it? It, it's it's hard because your your natural instinct might be to cut and run right uh, and turtle it mm-hmm. but you can't you need to take that and 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 you need you need to let it it's a fine line as my friends like to remind me yeah. between consumption mm-hmm. and empowerment mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so you need to let it empower you get some really good friends yeah to keep your ass in check about consumption you know I'm one of my my best friend Jamie yeah literally should be like hey you know what Today, I don't want to hear a word about marriage fraud. Oh, really? Fucking doof. Because today I'd like to talk about me okay. and my son yeah. and my life. And you're probably thrilled to talk and about I'm all like, that. I'm like, oh my God, you're, yeah. you're so right. I'm right. such a piece of shit. No, you're but not no, a piece no, of shit. But because but... you become so singularly focused. Of course. That you forget that the people around you, they're supporting you, but they have their own lives too. Exactly. You need, but you need friends who will call you on your bullshit and mm-hmm. put you in check. Exactly. That's a really good point. And they're still there for you. And it doesn't matter if it's a good or bad day, they're there for you. But that's a really good point. So what, uh, what, I guess, closing words, if you will. I feel like I have so many more questions, so we might have to do a part two to this podcast. <laughs> part three, whatever. By the way, for those of you, and we're going to, I, I'm going to totally push Julie to have like a chick moment for like 10 minutes after like all the serious <laughs> stuff. Well, you need to drink up, girl. Although you've been speaking. Okay, you've been by speaking. By the way, just so you know, you should ask my friends uh, about my slow drinking policy. It's, it, no, no, it's a monumental joke. Oh, oh. That like literally, you- they're like, 
what happens when you go out with Beth for wine? She drinks one glass. We drink a bottle. Well, she's gonna say Marty had like two and a half. Drinker. I think. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, they but all. But we also wasted. both have plans tonight, so I feel like I need to like save myself for drinking more later, and you do too. That's what Uber is for. That is what Uber is for. Saint Patty's so, too, right? Oh yeah. So like we're. I keep to forgetting it's St. Patrick's Day. Right? We're totally gonna get. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I have dinner plans, but dinner plans can turn into lots of other things. But, I, but no, I just like. I wish everyone could meet you because you when you're listening because I'm an acquired taste. No, but and if you what is that? But if you don't like her, then acquire some taste. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, it's taken a while. I mean, I turned 47 this year. She looks like she's maybe 38, maybe. Thank you for being honest. The no, you really the are. Like, the other day, someone uh, tried to make me feel better, and she was like, "You could be like 32." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe if your glasses don't work." I no, but like, like you're easily, you could be 10 years younger. I mean. It, yeah. It's the alcohol. It's the alcohol. Yeah. The alcohol. It's like fermentation. <laughs> Wait, but first, um, before I forget, tell everyone where they can find you on all the things because Beth will want, Beth wants to talk to you. Like, reach out to Yes. Her. And as I was saying earlier, you know, the one other thing that's really important to you for anybody going through a traumatic experience is to find an outlet, mm-hmm. find something that gives you passion been very lucky to be able to write mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. like I said a lot of the writing community has been exceptionally generous and you know over the past three months I started working for Houston Food Finder it's yeah. a food writing magazine online Amazing. and you know obviously I've got my day job I love my day job yeah. it pays the bills but that kind of stuff allows me to exercise the creative portion mm-hmm. of my brain mm-hmm. and gives me an outlet to sort of remove myself from the cause, mm-hmm. the trauma, uh-huh. and lets me have a space and a place that's mine. And you need that. And something Everyone that I that. cultivated strictly on my own with the help of everybody. Like, I mean, like, it doesn't come from my ex-husband. No, it's not no, part no. of my past. Right. And that's really important. I would strongly encourage anybody going through a really traumatic experience to find something. And everyone was like, you know, go to yoga, go to <laughs> therapy, go to start, you know, doing meditation. I was like, do you guys not know me? Like, I, I can't shut up. <laughs> I was like, and I also can't be quiet or still. All right, so writing so is good my, for you. I found my own outlet, but don't let anyone tell you what it is. Exactly. Realize that it might not fix all the things, but find something that makes you feel that you have what it takes and that you can be you again mm-hmm. and that you're worth something. Exactly. Because when you go through a traumatic experience, whether it's a hellacious divorce, marriage fraud, a terminal illness, it's, it really rocks you into your center of, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Am I worth it? Mm-hmm. How, how do I function on a daily basis? And am I, am I enough? Right. Exactly. And when you find something that you're passionate about, like uh, when your inaugural podcast about this is something you've always right. wanted to do, mm-hmm. find something that pulls at your gut strings and that's just, yours. And just do it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's successful. It doesn't it's, matter if you're Right. And listening. that's what I said. I'm like, I might only have one listener, but it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your emotional core rebuilding itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's really important. Absolutely. And however you find a way to do that, do it. Do it. It does not matter what anyone says, thinks, I mean, or I, feels, but you. Well, do and it. because they not, might not be the same for every person. And it's an, it certainly and, shouldn't and, be. And it might not be the same thing each time exactly. for you. But you've got to find something that rebuilds your ego mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. your ego took a huge hit. Huge. And your yeah. ability to... Be comfortable in your own skin, right? And you need to find that again. And sometimes that that sometimes that comes from something that only makes you comfortable, right? Exactly. That's it. you're so well spoken. You're so articulate. You have such good points. I feel like this is the I haven't done this yet, but a lot of podcasts have show notes where they have like quotes and things. For I feel like I need to do that for this episode because you have so much, so many good like but that's what nuggets writing of wisdom. has been for me. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's uh, it gives me a really good opportunity to get out of my skin to get back yeah. into it again mm-hmm. to be comfortable mm-hmm. because it is mine exactly and it's uh something that I, I feel like they don't always touch about and I, I I mean I know from on victims they do but you know it's it's such a wide spectrum because you can be a victim of so many things you know emotional abuse mm-hmm. physical abuse mm-hmm. sexual abuse they're all equally hard they're all equally different mm-hmm. you have to get back into your skin but sometimes to get back into it, you have to get back out of it. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're and that, right. that, it's a, 
God, it's messy. Like, I wish someone had told me just how messy it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie did a piece on uh, every divorced friend needs a divorced best friend. Yeah, okay. so I threw her her divorce party. She threw me mine. Oh. Which I strongly recommend having one. A divorce party. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. I mean, you get one when you get married. Yeah, why the hell? Did you, you register? Because you should have registered for shit, too. <laughs> if not, you should do another. Booze. Booze. Okay, yeah. that's all you need. <laughs> uh, not that I advocate or anything about drinking your way through any type of I do. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. But, you know, it looks really nice on your bar, which, by the way, Julie's is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she put in it because, you know, nobody told me just how fucking messy it would be. Mm-hmm. And I well, think it's the messy. same thing with any trauma. Is oh. that no one was just like, hey, you know what? Yeah. This shit's going to suck. Right. And, like, somebody should prepare you for just how bad it's going to suck. And it's almost like they can't prepare you for it. Because I feel like to do that, they have to look at something that's really unpleasant. Yeah. People don't like to look at no, shit that's unpleasant. No, people don't. You know, I mean, that's the whole, you know, what's the, I mean, we just recently talked about this and I'll bring it up with, you know, the mentality of where, what headspace is everyone in where you're in the cabin and you know, something's going on, you know, something's Mm -hmm. wrong, but it's a, I hate to use the word mob mentality, but they, it's, there's a lot of studies about it where, I mean, they talk about it in, you know, hazing and grazing and fraternities is that there's a part of a lot of people that see something happening and the instant clicked and it's just like okay I know this is wrong but someone else will do it right? or, is, or, or like, they, they it's not a, it, it's, it's a double edged sword from the studies I've read it becomes A someone else will handle it so yeah. I don't have to B there's also a paralyzing component on what happens if I'm the only one mm. who stands up and then I'm alone that fear coupled with will someone else will do it right. is the you know it, the catch 22 mm-hmm. that happens to people and that's kind of just something that I, I don't know how we overcome I think we've been working a lot on it this year I think between my case a lot of the other podcasts a mm-hmm. lot of things I'm seeing that's a common thread mm-hmm. that seems to be mm-hmm. running through a lot of things even politics right now yeah what do we what do we do how, right. do, we, how do we change that viewpoint where you're right. comfortable saying hey I'm not cool with this yeah I'm just questioning it at least yeah. like saying something and I'm not cool and maybe right. I'm the only one Right. And that's also okay. And that is absolutely okay. Because I am comfortable enough in my own skin to say this makes me uncomfortable. Exactly. But, you know, that kind of uh, sense of self is hard one. Mm-hmm. And if it gets rocked, it's even harder to rewin. Oh, yeah. Wait, I feel like people are going to want to be your best friend. So, okay, Instagram <laughs> on the her. her <laughs> my best friends might tell you that's a really hard job. <laughs> but someone might be up for it. So, Beth's Instagram handle is at yoga spots. Y-O-G-A-S-P-O-T-S. Yeah. Her on Facebook, and I'm sure there may be a lots of Beth Levines, but she is Beth Levine. Uh-huh. She also, if you Google Beth Levine, I mean, she's written a lot of articles. Um, yeah, you can also find me on Houston Food Finder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On my red glasses. Oh, yeah. People can find her. Local. And local. Yeah. So... Anyway, she's great, as you can see from all this. Beth, thank you so much for speaking up, speaking out, speaking to me uh, on this platform about all this. It takes courage. It takes balls. It also takes courage and balls to interview people who have courage and balls. <laughs> no. I'm just so the one asking I, the questions. I just want to tell through. you guys, anybody listening, this is my first podcast. I'm much oh, like it? Julie. Yeah. I also toyed with the idea of doing it. Oh, yeah. We I, talked about this. Yeah. I much prefer speaking mm-hmm. than most other forms of communication. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I love to debate in high school and college. I know that <laughs> I might think, sound yeah. impossible to no. believe that I would like to debate. You should start a podcast. And yeah, well. <laughs> Maybe. Stay tuned. I, I, If you aren't already following Julie, and this is oh, just a shameless yes. plug because I'm sitting in her kitchen and she's plowing me with wine. <laughs> she's a fantastic writer. No. She doesn't pull any shit. Dude, I read your book. Oh, thank you. Yes, I did. I did write that book. Plug yes. the book. Yeah. Oops, it's an insider's guide to dating, sex, and relationships in your 20s, but it can also be true for those in your 30s, 40s, whatever. And at a time when I was having a lot of difficulty telling my story, your interview made a huge difference oh, in my life so and a glad. huge impact because I finally felt like, hey, you know, 
if somebody wants to hear this story yeah. and I, I, I'm not ruining my life by telling the truth, I'm not ruining my life by no. trying to be vocal because it's hard. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, there's, I had a lot of one set of friends who was like, please, we don't want this to destroy you. Yeah. And yeah. another set of friends was like, we get it. You can't yeah. not do this. Yeah. And people like you who were super supportive and allowed me a platform to speak, uh, that was a game changer. And oh, I, I just well, feel like you should know yeah. that as much as the people on the other side of what you're writing about, you might admire them. They equally, if not more so, admire you for giving you a space and a place wow. to express themselves because without that, they're not really reaching anybody. Which well, is the thank you. Point. That means so much that you said that. Thank you. Thank you. But I, you're the one that I'm like, you have been through quite a situation, but I'm just thrilled that I could even be a tiny part of, you know, giving you a platform to We're do We're going to say a, a, a big part. A bit? <laughs> no. Well, anyway, you still got to drink your wine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why anyone thinks that I'm leaving once this podcast is <laughs> She's over. She's moving in. Um, but anyway, thank you so much again, Beth. You're amazing. Again, follow Beth on all the things. Yoga Spots, Beth Levine. Um, and thank you all so much for listening. We're back with weekly episodes. And um, always drinking wine. Never never not drinking wine. Excuse the double negative. Um, and please subscribe to Hashtag No Filter. Download the episodes. And I will speak to you guys very soon. Bye.